Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today we have such a treat for you. I'm talking with chef James Barry, who has created an amazing functional food product, Pluck. Pluck is an organ-based all-purpose seasoning mix that is a delicious way to get nature's multivitamin into your everyday meals. We discuss our shared passion for a real whole food diet and organ meat as the most nutrient-dense food we can consume. James shares tips and tricks for introducing this essential food group into our diets, and he announces his new blends coming in January, including an AIP blend. James, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you today about what you're doing because it's going to make such a big impact not on on everybody in general, but especially on the autoimmune community. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Julie. My pleasure. So usually we start out with everybody wants to hear the story, right? How did you get from being this very successful personal chef to creating this amazing brand and product with Pluck? And you know, some something must have happened to create the passion to bring organ meats to the world. I know, right? I cannot pretend that it was just like raw talent or it's just, I'm so special. It's like, it's so much of it was just luck and, you know, learning to trust instincts and following, following my heart. I mean, it it was 9-11. I saw, I used to be in the the film business. I used to be an actor state. I did theater as well. And that was my main focus. I always was passionate about food when I was like a young kid. I, I think at around the age of seven, I learned how to scramble an egg. And I just, from there, I just loved it. So I always loved it but I didn't see it as a viable career. I'm not sure why I just didn't. And, um, and so eventually I became an actor and I was really into that and, and just put my heart and soul into it. And I was just putting out like 200%, but I was only getting back maybe 30%. This is one of those things. So that's, that's the actor's life. Not, not that fun. 9-11 happened. And, and that was a time in my life where I was also in a relationship that then I realized I wanted to take further. And it just started to look at everything and go, you know what? I want everything in my life to have heart. And so that's when I then said, well, what are the things I love? And I reevaluated, kind of did an audit of my life. And I was like, well, you know, I've always loved cooking, like from, from the youngest age. So what if I look into that and do that? And so I started, I found a school in New York that focused on health. So they're not, it's not like Cordon Bleu where you're learning just cooking. They were really focusing on uh, different diets. They were focusing on how to properly prepare food to make sure that it's as nutrient dense as possible. And they also specialize in um, supporting private chef businesses. Like, so a lot of people would call this school when they were looking for private chefs. And I knew I did not want to work in a restaurant. And I'm sure you're having a laugh since Smart. your family, your <laughs> yeah. family has a history of working in the restaurant. And you probably yeah. know why I didn't want to work in a restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> Because it's a crazy life, right? It's much better than being an actor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and so I switched gears. I went to culinary school. And this is where it gets interesting. 
you know, if anyone listening is kind of uh, spiritual or cosmic or anything like that. So I changed gears. And like I said, what initiated it was following my heart. I changed gears. I went to this school and I put my heart into it. And the school really, and not everyone did. There were a lot of kids right out of high school and I was in my thirties. Right. So I, I, and I had to, I had to pay for this myself and it was not cheap. And, and so I went in and I really like, I showed up every day. I got a perfect attendance. I did everything I could to learn. I was just a learning machine. And, um, and the school saw that. And they, so anytime a job came to that school that was in LA, cause that's where I was living at the time, they would refer me. And so I quickly built this resume where I would put, I would work still hard. I would work like hundred percent, but I would get back to hundred percent. Like I, I started working with celebrities like Tom Cruise, George Clooney, Barbara Streisand. I mean, I was working with so many celebrities and they were just coming to me. I don't know what I did. I don't, you know what I mean? It was almost like the stars yeah, aligned. You, <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were putting your heart into it. So, yeah. So I, and I had really great, and I, that's, I think what happened is that I had really great response and here's the secret. <laughs> I just made real food, you know, but I, but I, I, I prepared things in ways like I soaked my grains and my, in my legumes and beans, you know, and I, and I cultured product and I made sure that I was not using any processed foods, anything with additives or, or shelf stabilizers, anything that was like, I focused on really healthy oils and fats. So that's really what I did. I didn't necessarily follow like a specific diet really what's interesting is that when people started eating the food i was preparing they started let's say for those mothers that were trying to lose their baby weight they started losing the weight you know the actors that were trying to make sure that they always were on their a game they started to feel really good and look really good so it was it was it was a a really great experience but also really telling of like okay all these trends out there that we constantly are hearing about, like what what diet do I follow? What's the best? And here's what I've learned. I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you guys like the bottom line of what I've learned in my 16 plus years of cooking. Wait, I hope I hope I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, all right. Only drink water. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say <laughs> be a fruitarian. No, I'm not gonna say no, that. No, 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 never. No. So what what I've learned is that you know trends come and go, but what what is not a trend is real food. And so really just focus on the whole foods, whole, real whole foods, you know, don't, don't choose things with ingredient lists, choose the actual ingredients. And you'll find that your health will quickly turn around. It's, it's really that simple. And ultimately, you know, when people say, well, what about, you know, not eating meat or eating meat? It's like, you know, I, where I stand with that stuff is, is I basically say, look, I'm not here to tell people how to eat. You need to follow your own path to that. I mean, I, you know, you name one health practitioner and I'll, t- and I'll show you someone that probably was a vegan at one point. You know what I mean? Like everyone goes on their path of how they eat everybody. And most health, health practitioners that are the ones now saying, you got to eat this, you got to eat that. It's because they got sick at one point and, and, or they've tried things and, and they finally found something that worked. And so I just tell people, look, if you want to be vegan, if you want to be a carnivore, if you want to be a keto, if you want to be paleo, follow, follow what you want to do. But here's the one caveat I have. It, listen to your body because your head's going to be the one that tries to make the decision, but your body never lies, never lies. 
So if you start eating vegan and you start having really bad gas and you have digestive issues and you have skin issues and you're bloating, that's your body communicating that what you're doing is not working. And so all I ask is just listen, just listen to your body and then make changes accordingly. I love that. That is gold right there. And yes, I was hoping you were going to say eat real food. I, I was, I felt pretty comfortable and confident that that's where you were going to go with that. And I love your story about, you know, I guarantee you other than the weight coming off of, you know, the various people you were chefing for, you know, what their cells were happy. They may not, some of them, I bet, didn't even know why they loved your food. Right. In addition to, I'm sure it was delicious, but our bodies really do know when we can hear, you know, what and whole food, real food is anti-inflammatory in nature. I mean, yes, I, I'm an AIP coach. There are things, you know, we do an elimination diet. There's certain things that are considered inflammatory, but like you mentioned, when you're treating food the right way and preparing it the right way, and it's not coming out of a bag or a box, you know, it really doesn't get any better than that. So it's exciting. You know, I think that's a lot of, a lot is you I've met you. So I, I know why people, you know, were drawn to you to begin with. It's that heart thing, but I, I do believe I, I've had people say to me, you know, oh my gosh, I, I think my cells are singing, you know, because mm-hmm. they've been eating fake food, processed junk for so long. And, and so, you know, I, I don't know that I've met somebody who was vegan that was vegan truly with only real food because they tend to still eat a lot of processed junk. And so that, you know, I, I think that that's the, the biggest difference. So yeah, take- and, I, and the, the, and the processed junk really, I mean, you know, you look at any diet and I, and I've, and I kind of bring, I comment on this a lot. And this is one thing when we get to it about why I'm building my business this very specific way, but you know, every diet out there and every company building products, where, what's the first thing that when, you know, keto becomes hot or plant-based, you know, what used to be called vegan is now plant-based and paleo. What, what's the first kind of subset of recipes and or products that start to just flood the market? Oh, it's junk food. It's snacks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's snacks and desserts, right? It's, yeah. it's like, so to me, one of the issues I have with some of these trends is that, I mean, you already capture, which is, you know, they have this illusion of being healthy, but they're really not. I mean, they're really, really not if you're eating them by in theory, you know what I mean? If you're eating like, oh, well, the product says it's a keto brownie. So that means it's a healthy brownie. It's like, no, no, no. Brownies are just not good for you. No matter what diet you're following. Yeah. I mean, they're just not, they're never going to be good for you. It's a, it's a dessert. It's supposed to be something that you indulge. Yeah. Treat once in a while. It's like, you know, on your birthday, whatever. (laughs) So I can eat it. Well, that's like the, when the low fat thing, you know, came out, Oh, this is low fat. So I can, I can eat pounds of it and it's fine or, you know, low sugar, but it's jammed with chemicals, but it's great. I remember this is so funny. This is going to date me a lot, but so I remember when organic was becoming a thing, you know, and and being a chef, like I, my office was grocery stores. I was going to grocery stores all the time, farmers markets. I was just always following the trends, right. And following what are the new products. And I remember I was in a Trader Joe's once. This was so long ago, but organic was just starting to become a thing. And the kid in front of me at the checkout stand grabbed a chocolate bar that said organic on it. And he said, mom, look, 
um, I got a chocolate bar. Can I get this? And the mom's like, no, it's chocolate. She said, he said, but it says organic. That means it's healthy. And I just had to laugh. I'm like, oh my God, that's the problem with yep. marketing. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. I have a friend who always says, you know, the front is marketing the back, <laughs> the back, yeah. is the you know, but again, if you're not buying it out, of, if, I love the, you know, instead of buying something with ingredients by the ingredient is, is amazing. So you shifted major shift from acting chef school, you know, the universe is telling you you're on the right path. You're attracting, you know, all these amazing people to work with. How does one get from there to focusing on organ meats? I know, you know, your whole food, real food, still a leap. Yeah, no, it was because I didn't grow up eating organ meats. And, and honestly, even out of culinary school, I was not working with organ meats that much. But ultimately, what I think contributed to my creating this, to my current business and the, and the functional food of pluck is that. When I entered being a chef, I was always interested in how do I take foods that are common, you know, everyday comfort foods and how do I make them healthy? So that's always been my kind of lens of how I look at things. Cause I really think, you know, we're on this planet for a short time. We, we ultimately, we want to enjoy our time, but, but if we fully indulge, then we don't enjoy our time because we feel so icky. Right. So I was like, how can we, you know, meet that comfort level, but also meet the health need. And so I've always looked at food in that way. And I've continued to kind of drive myself forward in terms of trying to figure that piece out. But it was when I had kids that I really started going, okay, what are the most nutrient dense foods, you know, out there? And how do I get them in my kids' diets? And, and as I'm getting older, how do I get them in my own diet? Right. And how do I, you know, how do I maximize nutrient density? And you look at any, any, graph you know that's showing the most nutrient dense food anyone can look this up right now even the visuals are stunning yeah there's all these visuals and 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 inevitably you'll see about four you know you'll see a bunch of foods but there'll always be these four kale blueberries (laughs) maybe fish and then like beef but then they'll they'll be this other one and it will be beef liver and you'll look at the markers for all of them and then there'll be some that are missing, you know, depending on what the marker that they're, you know, the vitamin or mineral they're, they're, they're looking at. But then you'll see one of those items doesn't have any empty markers and all the numbers are like way higher than the other things. And it's beef liver. And it's not like just a little bit better. It's like three to seven to 12 to 20 times better than all those other foods. And you just look at those and you go, okay, this is, these, these are definitely the most nutrient dense foods out there. This is mother nature's multivitamin, but why aren't we eating them? No one, like our generation and younger are just not getting them in the diet. Not the way our great grandparents and grandparents were, they, they, they ate them way more regularly. And so we've clearly lost the ability to cook them potentially. Like, I think a lot of people see them as laborious, labor intensive, and just like kind of overwhelmed when they think about having to cook them. I think there's this idea, this perception of taste that it's really like they're icky or too irony or whatnot. And then there's just the regularity of it. Like, oh, do I, let's say, you know, you want to take organ meats, but so you bought some supplements, but then now you're taking more supplements and sometimes you forget to take them. And so there's this kind of, it's out of habit kind of, you know, 
And I just, I decided to try to figure out how to solve that. And so I came up, I'm basically using the ancestral food of organ meats, but I'm using, I'm, I'm utilizing the modern techniques of freeze drying. So we have, we basically, when you buy a supplement of that's organ meats, it's freeze dried organ meats. And freeze drying is similar to the dehydrating, but it's just, it maintains the nutrient density of the product. And it's really not, it's not truly heat based. So there's, there's really little effect on nutrients, but it preserves it, it makes it shelf stable. It, it removes the moisture. So you can, you pretty much keep those capsules for a long time. Right. So that's when I thought, well, what if I take the stuff that's in the capsules and I combine it with the ingredients that you would use to put in like a pate, you know, like onions and garlic. And, but I use all shelf stable, you know, all spices and herbs, things that are already like, you know, the moisture's out of them. And so I started experimenting and I came up with a seasoning, an organ-based seasoning that we call pluck. And, and it's, what's cool is that it solves all those points. Like you don't need to know how to cook because you can sprinkle it on anything. And I mean, literally anything you know, like from fish to chicken to, you, it's not just beef, you know, it's not just meat. Like we put it, my kids put it on their toast. You know, we put <laughs> it on, that. we put it on popcorn. It's so good on popcorn pizza. I mean, like I said, fish, it, it just, it has no boundaries. It really is. It's really versatile. So that's one thing. So they don't need to know how to cook, put it on anything. And then it ups the nutrients. Now you're getting not only whole food nutrients, which we discussed earlier, the importance of whole food, but you're getting the superfood nutrients. You're getting these amazing nutrients that you find in organ meats. And then you don't have to adopt a new habit because we already all season our foods. So there's no kind of, oh, I need to remember to take a capsule or I need to uh, start running, you know, 30 miles or 30 minutes a day. You know, it's, it's not a new habit. It's just simply replace your salt and pepper or your favorite seasoning with this new favorite seasoning pluck. And now you're getting micro doses and frequent use of some of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. Wow. I, I love the creativity and I am somebody who, when I learned the, the, just the importance of organ meats and just how nutrient dense they are, I too <laughs> bought the, the freeze dried capsules <laughs> because, and there's so many things in there. I want, I want to make sure that we talk about quality, the quality yeah. of the organ meat. So I definitely am going to ask you to make sure we, we cover that, but I do think so much of what we think we like, and you and I touched on this before we turned the mic on about, you know, palettes are adaptable. Palettes change and learn and grow and expand. And I see it all the time on the most basic level of when people take sugars and sweeteners out of their diets. You know, I, I've had so many clients send to me, oh my gosh, I never realized strawberries were this sweet. And I'm like, yeah, because now you can actually taste yeah. that, you know, your palate has adjusted and as you mentioned, you know, most of us didn't grow up in households where the organ meats were being cooked, or if they were, maybe they weren't being cooked very well. No, um, most likely very overcooked. Yeah. Was the case in, in, in my house, the very limited use of organ meat. It's, it's funny, my, my mom, I found out as an adult, loves liver and onions, never cooked it or served it for us. <laughs> But, but I've seen her order it in restaurants. I'm like, that's really interesting, mom. And maybe that's that labor piece. But but I think that we've we've missed a, at least a generation or two of these are flavors. You know, this is comfort food. This is, you know, something I've grown up with that I, I love and appreciate. I have a theory 
about why they fell kind of out of favor, out of use, but I'd love to hear, you know, what, why, why aren't we eating them? Yeah, it's, that's really the question of the hour, isn't it? So ultimately, there's a few potential things based on just the history I've read on it. So one is that it's kind of steeped in um, in the, the economy or our sense of economy. So meaning that uh, muscle meat is considered more luxurious. And so when after World War II, when people could came back and could afford to because now you have two people in the household working after World War II. It was a real shift of the of the nuclear family, right? So you have two people working, you have potentially more money coming into the household. And, and it was a real sign of like, oh, we're doing well because we can afford the finer cuts. Yeah. You know, an organ meat is considered poor person's food because it was the cheapest part of the animal. So there, it's very steeped in that. It's also steeped in racism. A lot of people don't realize this, you know, during slavery times when the slave owner would slaughter a hog, for example, they would keep all the finer cuts for themselves. And then they would serve the intestines and the different organs to the slaves. And that's where you get chitlins. Chitlins is a, is a slave food basically, uh, or it's, it came about then it's the intestines of a pig. And what's ironic though, is that the slave owners were, they, they were, you know, thought that they were giving the cheapest or the, the worst part of the animal. They're actually giving them the most nutrient dense. So, you know, cheers to, um, the people that did get that, that could, you know, survived that horrid time in our history. But, you know, the beyond the economy of it or the economics of it, I, I think that's that's the piece I think that stemmed the most. But the other piece, I think, you know, it, and this is probably more now bringing us into the current times. I, I really think that it is the, the that we don't know what to do with it. You know, when you buy a beef liver, it's it's large. It's really big. Now, if you got a large piece of muscle meat, let's say like a tri, so let's let's compare a tri-tip. So a tri-tip is about the size of a beef liver, right? So you get, if you get a tri-tip, most households are not buying tri-tips every week. You know what I mean? They buy it for special occasions when, let's say, during the summer and they're barbecuing, right? It's, it's one when you have more people coming over, you know, or let's say you're a big family. Well, that's how big a beef liver is pretty much. And so I think it's daunting. I think people are overwhelmed with the concept of like, not only the texture because it's slimy, their association with what they think it tastes like, but then like, what do I do with it? And I absolutely have some solutions for that when we want to get to that. I do want to get to that. Before we get to that, I want to touch on the the sourcing, right? It's so important. What was your theory, by the way? Was your theory also around economics? It, it was, yeah. yeah. The, the, and it is ironic. We can point to so many other things, but that would make this a three-hour interview on our how our progress, you know, is it really progress? So, you know, all of a sudden we've got two incomes and more better finances and we're, we're buying the fancier meat and our nutrient density totally just went down. Yeah. Um, well, is that, I mean, that is, that is really an interesting dilemma, right? And, and that's... Partially also when I think of organ meats, I'm like, okay, well, what, I, and, and even beyond organ meats, I think of nose to tail. Cause I think it's easy yes. just to focus on organ meats, but there's every part of the animal used to be utilized Yes. for human yeah. consumption. And it still gets utilized, but it, not for human consumption. Most of it's going to the non-muscle stuff is going to pet food. It's going to feed the other animals. And right. I mean, and there's some, there's, if you go to other countries, like I know my friend from Venezuela, he said, um, you know, the eyes, for example, like bovine eyes, cow eyes 
are very highly regarded there and it's part of the cuisine and it's in and i'll tell you this when i met him in college he was in his 20s he was one of the healthiest people i'd ever met and sure. he, he grew up eating lots of seafood and lots of nose to tail eating and he was phenomenally healthy looking and, and you look at now the the i was going to say fad of but i mean the reintroduction of collagen you know right. grass-fed collagen back into our diets well if we were eating the whole animal and using the whole animal we would be we, getting would have had it yeah yeah you would you would have had it i mean and that's and so that's the irony right so we so we're not eating nose to tail anymore and as you said we're nutrient deficient but yet we're not calorie deficient. We're overweight. We, right. we have an obesity epidemic. Yeah. And so that's interesting, right? I mean, that, that says everything you need to know. Everything right there. Exactly. Our diets, what we eat is different than the way our, our ancestors did. And yet we're not, we're all eating enough food. And yet we're still oh. nutrient deficient. And so sick. You know, I mean, really, it's, they keep creating new types of diet, right? There was, I remember growing up knowing a, a handful of people with type one diabetes and it was rare. Also yep. a handful of people, if that with autoimmunity, it was rare. Rare. Now that, you know, we've added type two diabetes in my space, we call Alzheimer's type three diabetes. And it's all this, it's not, it's not just sugar. People think sugar, but it's, it's just the fake food. It's the the garbage. Yeah, so, so how how does somebody know? Because it, sadly, it's very easy to go out and get poorly sourced organ meat. So, so if somebody is you know really conscientious about they they want to include this nutrient dense food in a way you know and and they're because you're going to give us tips on beyond the pluck seasoning, which is by the way, fantastic. And oh, I, I, I always joke in, in my world, cause I do have a very restricted clean diet and work with people. We do elimination diets on AIP. I, I say, you know, if regular people <laughs> enjoy it, then it's good. Right. Right. Um, because I have been eating a whole food, real food diet for so long that you know, I know that a lot of people's taste buds haven't adjusted to real flavors yet. And so we'll, we'll talk about some of the, the new season mixes you've got coming out, especially the things that are going to make the autoimmune community really excited. But for, even for those of us, I mean, I have recovered from autoimmunity and, and still eat mostly that way. And, and even just, you know, your original mix is, it's just so good. I don't eat popcorn or toast. But I definitely am excited to try it in more and more ways. It's a lot of fun. But for those, since you're going to give us tips on how to handle organ meat that's not freeze dried, you know, how, how do people know what, how, where do they find it? What are they looking for? Yeah. And the quality. Yeah. You know, the quality is an interesting one. So Diane Rogers, one of the co-authors of Sacred Cow, she she recently was promoting a, a study where they showed actually that what the cow ate did not affect the nutrient, the, the nutrients of, of, of the, now this was muscle meat, but did not, did not affect the nutrients in the muscle meat. And so that's kind of an interesting, that's kind of an interesting report because then that basically opens a door towards if you can't afford grass fed, then, then there you go. But here's the part that I don't agree with, which is it's not just about the nutrient load, right? 
I mean, if an animal, you know, we were talking about earlier about these people I used to cook for and how good they felt. Well, some of that's also like what I'm putting into the cooking. It's my energy as I make the food and the energy that then is transferred to them. So if you're eating a conventional cow, that's basically being raised. All cows are raised with grass initially. So when we talk about grass fed, that is a mis misunderstanding is people think that cows aren't grass fed. They are, they're, they are, they all start out grass fed, but they don't get finished grass fed. Right. So when they change that, they, they then start feeding them other things. And I wish I could say it's just grains and stuff like that, but it's not, they feed them a lot of horrible stuff. Basically they're just trying to, if you think of it this way, is they're trying to maximize their dollar, dollar, right? So they're trying to increase the weight of the cow and spend as little as they can to do that. Which so they, just, that just goes back to what we were just talking about, about our overweight, sick society. Totally. It's the same thing. That's what they're doing to the cows is fattening them up really fast by totally. adding totally. in all the other stuff. Really fast and, and, and with poor, poor foods. And then they're giving, you know, they're pumping them up. They're giving them vitamins, synthetic vitamins and stuff like that too. And of course, lots of other stuff, hormones and, and antibiotics, things yeah. like that. So a lot of stuff you don't want, but here's the thing is like a lot of these cows, would not live on this. They could not live on this diet. So a lot of them, they only are alive because they get killed at a certain age. But if they were allowed to continue eating this diet and, and allowed to live longer, they would probably die from how they're being raised and fed. And then you don't want to eat that. Like you just, that's not the kind, like if, it, if you don't want to eat a sick animal and, and that's basically what the majority of those conventional cows are if they're being raised improperly and they're also confined, their confinement is really just horrible. They're really tightly, you know, tightly. If you've ever gone, gosh, I live, I used to live in Southern California. And if you ever did the drive from Southern California to Northern California, you took the five, the five you would pass. It used to be only one CAFO, but now you pass three of them. And, and anyone wouldn't know that they're, they're fine. They're, they're passing a CAFO because of the smell. It's the most horrid smell you can ever imagine. And you just look out your window and you'll see they're just, they're all, it, there's, it's all dirt. There's no grasslands anywhere. And they're just all piled into each other. Just, it's just horrible. It's so, absolutely disgusting. I would say if once you see it and smell it, and I live in Colorado. And so we've got the, we've got both worlds here, you know, beautiful ranches with grass fed and finished happy animals and then feedlots. Yeah. And there's a, it, it's a running joke. I live in Northern Colorado on the plains. So I live where, you know, this is where the livestock is. And we, I won't say the town by name, although if you live there, you, you've got to know it anyway, but when the wind shifts, you know, you, and I'm talking miles because I used to live about 35 miles away from that town. And um, there were still certain days of the year where we could smell it. And, you know, this was the area where the feedlots were. And, and so, you know, we would say smells like, <laughs> and, and we all knew, but then, like you said, once you, you drive by and you see it and they're, you know, not only so packed in there on dirt, you know, not a sprig of grass anywhere, but it's not even dirt, it's manure, you know, they're up, yeah. it looks like there's little hills and mountains in there, and they're just standing on manure piles. It's, it's really, and I, I'm so going to dig into that study, because I have not heard 
I've only heard contrary as far as, you know, nutritional values, omega-3, omega-6s, especially grass-fed versus conventional grass-fed and finished. But yeah, that the health and I mean, then people say, well, you know, this antibiotic free, you know, are all the cows sick? Well, no, but they need the antibiotics to be alive long enough to get fat on food they're not supposed to eat. Yeah, for, for that lifestyle. Absolutely. So, so, and and that's ultimately why, you know, when we talk about quality, we're talking about that, you know, like how is the, how is the animal being raised? How is it being treated and what is it being fed? And, and, you know, and, and, and really I'm in full support of the vegans or the vegetarians out there that are like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to eat meat because of how they're treated. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to eat conventional meat either because of how they're treated. So I'm fully in support of that. But I think anyone out there that thinks that, you know, being a vegan or vegetarian is healthier for the planet or healthier for you. I recommend reading a book like sacred cow because they talk, they, they unpack all of that and they actually show how, you know, animals are what are going to save us, you know, not, not just for food, but our farms, regenerative oil quality, all of it. Absolutely. So that's really Um, key. So how does somebody find, so not everybody lives, you know, I'm fortunate where I can talk to the person raising the cattle and know, you know, for sure that, you know, it's, it's grass fed and finished and I can go see it if I want, you know, I prefer not to meet my actual cow, but, you know, see how they're living and know these are happy animals, but that's the the first that's the first way is, is to go to the farm and know the farmer's market. You're identifying one of them right now. Okay. You know, like, okay. So Not everybody lives in, in an area though, where they've got a local. Yeah. So then the next way is to go to your local store that sells more consciously, you know, you, so you're looking for basically hundred percent grass fed cattle or pastured. If you want to get chicken, you know, if you want to get chicken organs, then you want to look for pasture chickens, but most places like a whole foods, if you have one of those or like one of your healthier markets are going to sell probably the liver potentially. And you can also sometimes find the liver in your frozen aisle of those stores. If you can't find it in the, in the fresh meat market area, um, look in the freezer because a lot, there are some companies that will do the hundred percent grass fed and, and it will just be liver slices since so it'll already, already be pre-sliced for you and everything harder to find other parts of the animal. So, so definitely like if you can find a uh, cow share, that's where you're going to get those parts of the animals that you're not going to find in the stores, like the tongue, the, the, the spleen, the kidney, the heart, you know, that kind of stuff. That's where you're going to get that stuff. And then the other place is online. There's, there are a, a lot of online purveyors of grass, hundred percent grass fed organs. The U S wellness meats is one of them. So there are some options. We, fortunately, this is where, this is where technology really comes in hands, yes. like, you know, cause you can order yeah. pretty much almost anything anywhere now. Now, great advice. So grass fed and pastured is what you want to look for. Give us a couple of, of tips. I know we're almost, we're almost over time, but we promised some tips on how to other than pluck start incorporating. It's funny because that's why you may remember how geekily excited I got when we met and you told me what you were doing because 
it's always about sneaking it in. Like that's, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to convince <laughs> clients to start to embrace organ meats. It's about, you know, it's disguising it. It's putting a little bit, you know, mix it with your ground beef. So I love just that concept of, or just put it right on it and really, in, you know, enjoy. But for those that, that really want to take that next step of like, okay, if this is that good for me, you know, I should be, I, I should raise, if I had to do it over again, I would be raising my children on it, but they are now in their twenties. So that ship has sailed, but they can use pluck. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and then when they have kids, I mean, well, well, that's, so that's one thing is, 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 is going back to the palate topic, which is we must remember that our child's palate is formed in utero. So it's formed by, based on what the mother is eating. And so you can really start to shape the palate there. And then we got to re- then remember, which we, we already talked about, that the palate can adapt. It can change over time. But that's where it's formed initially. So like, for example, we, we did a lot of cultured vegetables for our first daughter. And I even did some spicy stuff just to already start getting her acclimated at. And to this day, she has an affinity for stuff like that. And we definitely baby's first foods, some organ meats in there, like some liver, um, some heart. But here's the tip to how to get organ meats in your diet. So we've already named the first, the first tip, which is pluck. And I'm not just stroking my ego here. But I mean, pluck truly is the gateway organ meat. It's so device. good. I mean, it, it, it's really so good. But, and it's so easy. That's really what I'm focusing on. It's like, it's just easy. It, so it, it has an umami flavor to it and umami is the fifth unique taste. So it actually, what happens is that it actually makes everything else taste better. So we have this kind of campaign going on on our social media where it's this concept of like, where, you know, you're, you're making your kind of your meal and let's say you're experimenting in your kitchen and, and it just doesn't taste that great. You know, you're just like, ah, it's serviceable. Like my family's going to eat it or I'll eat it, but it's just not like great. And we're like, well, pluck it because by just adding pluck to it, you actually, it will taste great. It's just amazing because of that umami, that umami flavor just makes it taste good. And just a little story before I go to the next tips is that I have heard so many people share with me that they would make a dish that they've been making for years, like, like seven years, they've been making like this, this stuffed, this stuffed pepper dish for their family. And it was like their stock, like safe, safe bet. You know, they would make it maybe once a week. They always knew their family's going to love it. Well, when they got pluck, that was the only thing they changed was they put pluck on it. And at the dinner table that night, everyone was like, what did you do? This is amazing. What's going on? This is the best way you've done it ever. And all she did was pluck. So easy gateway to getting organ meats, pluck, just pluck it. Right. So that's one. Then the next thing is you want to start easing into the real organ, the the, the whole organs, Um, the the organs in pluck are real. (laughs) (laughs) Whole organs, the whole, because you, because you're always going to get more nutrients from the whole thing. So pluck is a micro dosing eating an actual beef liver is going to be a full, full dose. Right? So what I recommend is you purchase that beef liver, which is going to be big. And then you keep it frozen. So usually when you get it, it's frozen. And when, when you, when you, and then just keep it frozen. And then what you do is you pull it out and you use a zester or a grater and you grate it 
Okay. So you're never unfreezing it. Cause that's the thing that's really daunting for people, right? We are, we already identified this is that we don't know what to do with it once it's defrosted and it just all goes to waste. So keep it frozen, grate it. And all I want you to do is grate it into your ground meat. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's turkey or beef or lamb. I don't care. Just grate it and only do a little bit at a time. So when you're first introducing it, maybe only do like, uh, and let's say we have a pound of ground meat, do like two tablespoons. And then the next time you do it, maybe do four tablespoons. But what I want you to do is keep it within that 25%. So if out of a pound of beef, only do about 20, like I would go anywhere between 15 to 25% organ meat. And sometimes you may even can only go to like 20, but I found that if you go beyond that, it starts to change the flavor and the texture of the ground meat. And then people will know, but anything below that. So 20% or less, no one will know, not a single person they will not know. So just that. So that's your second tip. Third tip is now you're like, okay, now I'm feeling a little more adventurous. Now I don't need to grade it. Like I actually feel like I can, I can visually see it. And then I would start with chicken hearts. So that's the first one I would officially start with. And you can chop them off so, so that they don't look like little hearts. Because, But chicken hearts and, and heart in general is the closest to muscle meat, but also it's incredibly flavorful. Like it doesn't have that, that organ flavor that we associate with, with the other organs. It's because it, really it's when we talk about that, we're really talking about liver and it has an irony taste because it's very high in iron heart doesn't have that. And, and so it's really actually kind of sweet. So I recommend starting with chicken hearts. And then when you're ready to even get a beef heart and beef heart is large, but you can even like, we have a recipe on our site for turning beef heart into beef jerk into jerky. And it's delicious. I mean, I, I'm going to have to try that. I actually have beef heart in the freezer. I had shared with you earlier. I know I have a a dog that was on raw keto for, for a while. I have three dogs, all different sizes, and they had all different recipes. And it actually just became too much of a full-time job <laughs> to, to do those. So we found another nutrient-dense keto diet for her. But I, I happen to have some you know good amount because this was the basis of her diet was organ meat. I have a, a good amount of of well-sourced beef heart in the freezer. And then- yeah, check, check out eat, eat, eatpluck.com and then look under the recipes and you'll see lots of recipes for organ meats and pluck in general, but there's a beef heart jerky and it's, it's very, very good. I highly recommend it. So once you then graduate to heart, then you can start graduating to tongue. Tongue is another one that's hugely underused in, in American culture. But if you go to other cultures, it's particularly like the Mexican culture. If you go to like taco place, they'll usually call it lengua. Well, go and to a Jewish deli on the East Coast and you will, you will find tongue. tongue. <laughs> yeah. And it's delicious. Yeah. What's it, The thing about tongue is you just need to get past the sheath around the tongue. And really what you, the way you cook it uh, is, is you just, it, you just cook it like you would any braised meat. So let's just say you're making pulled pork, for example just instead of getting the pork shoulder or the pork butt, just you get a tongue, a beef tongue, use the same ingredients. And, and then after you've co- cooked it, it, you'll just have to peel off it out of the sheath. So, and it peels right off. It just, I mean, just put a little slice and it just comes right out. And then what's underneath that sheath is once again, similar to heart, it's the closest to muscle meat, but it shreds like it's just shreds so easily. And it has a muscle taste to it. And so it will take on the flavors of whatever you put in the, 
in the slow cooker or whatnot. And so it's just an incredible way to start eating that nose to tail, you know, way of eating, but not take such a big leap, you know, as, as you would, if you were going straight to the kidney, for example, because kidney is going to be one of the stronger tasting organs, but those are kind of the tips to getting the real organs. The, the last thing I would say is that is, it's really, like I said, like, like start small. I talked about the grading. If you don't have a, if, if you are like a little bolder, you can actually take the ground meat and put it in a food processor and just take a chunk of the liver and put it in and grind it in there with it. Sometimes you can, if you're at a deli at a meat counter, you can actually ask them to do that there. That's one way. So that way you don't even have to bring it home and do with it. If, if it's, if it's, if there's a real person behind the meat counter, you can ask them, Hey, when you, can you grind in some of this heart or whatever they're selling there into my ground beef or ground lamb? And they will, they'll totally do it. Such a great idea. And, and as excited as I was, I'm now inspired (laughs) to to go beyond pluck myself. And I, again, who just has grass fed organ meats in their freezer that they're not doing anything with. So uh, that is going to change immediately. We've already gone well over our half hour, but I want you to tell the audience about you've got new products coming out. So let's let's tell them, just kind of tease them a little bit. With- yeah, no, thanks for letting yeah. me. I'm very excited about it. So the autoimmune protocol community. So obviously that's near and dear to your heart. And yes. and and we've gotten lots of requests. And I know that you're, you know. This community is one that knows they need to get organ meats in the diet, but are struggling. And so we have an AIP version coming out, which I got to say was hard to create because a lot of what brings the flavor to pluck and kind of masks the organ flavor is the onion and garlic, you know, which you can use in, in AIP. But then it's also the other stuff. It's some of the peppers, the, the paprika and, you know, some of that other stuff, the, the peppercorns, it's some of those nightshades and those um, seeds that really kind of support the kind of other layers of flavor. But what I created was a garden vegetable flavor and I'm, I love it. I'm super psyched, super excited to share that with the community. And that's going to come out in January. And we're also going to be coming out with additional flavors. So we have the all purpose. We're going to have a spicy version of the all purpose. We're going to have the AIP garden vegetable. And then we're also going to be putting out just the organ blend. We're calling it pluck pure. And it's the hundred percent blend. And that's for people. Now that's where you're going to really taste the organ meat. So that's for people that are like, I'm just going to do what you know, chef James said, which I'm going to just add, you know, this to my ground meat. That's, that's how you'd want to use pluck pure. You could put it in smoothies and stuff, but it is going to have a taste. It's just, you're going to want to combine it with something else that has a stronger taste. Well, and, and we discussed that one as well, because for, for those crazy pet lovers, you know, I, I always, I'm that person who I I want my animals to get the nutrient density too. And so I know that that's, I'm going to be sharing that with them, but yeah, that's secret. That's going to be a secret pluck pure. Cause that's, that's kind of the marketing challenge is how do you market something that's good for you and pet and your dog, right? <laughs> yeah. Your dog. So it's like, um, <laughs> so, but that is the secret is that actually, if you have an animal, that's just not gobbling up food, just want to give them that extra nutrition, you'll be able to sprinkle it over their 
over their food like a seasoning, really, but it's going to be 100% organ blend. They'll go crazy for it. They will oh, go crazy. I have absolutely no doubt. And I, I am willing to share with them. So <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. Before we wrap up, tell listeners where they can find you. It'll be in the show notes as well. And I know you have a gift for listeners uh, as well. So tell tell us where you are. You mentioned it once, but let's hit it. Yeah. So we're at eatpluck.com. That's E-A-T-P-L-U-C-K.com. And we, the, the new flavors will be coming out in January, I'd say January 1st. So definitely f- follow us on social media, get, you know, get on the newsletter. We do sales a lot. We have prizes. We, we just, we're constantly doing stuff. So it's, it's to your advantage to be part of the community. And we, we debut recipes, multiple recipes every month. We have really soon, we have coming out, if this comes out, you know, if this podcast comes out in November, we have a Thanksgiving uh, recipe guide that that you can get, and so and those are going to be some really. We fun might just recipes. have to bump you in line then. <laughs> Listeners can take advantage of that. James, thank you so much. To say that you've shared gold is an understatement. I am so passionate about nutrient density, and you know everybody, especially with autoimmunity or health. People are so worried about, you know, what do I take out, right? What do I need to avoid? And what you're doing is giving people such an easy way to add the nutrient density that we need to heal. And we need just to stay healthy if you're fortunate enough to kind of get with that before you find illness. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And I, and I so appreciate your perspective on pluck. I mean, it's, it, I really do just want to try to help people as much as I can. And and I do believe in my heart of hearts that, that organ meats are what's going to help us as a, as a community. It's going to help our world environmentally. And I also believe it's going to help our, our health. Well, you speak my language. So thank you. And for <laughs> everyone you. listening, remember you get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.